0: You are now entering The One Piece Zone. Hello and welcome to The One Piece Zone. I am Alex Johnson, your host and navigator on this journey through the 1010 chapter 96 volume pirate manga series one piece on the last episode we covered volume three uh don't get fooled again Uh, and so this time we're as you might expect on volume four the black cat pirates now savvy listeners with a uh, you know, who actually listen to when I say the episodes are supposed to be come out, which I don't think I've hit one of those deadlines yet, uh, may notice that this episode is a week late, um, or maybe more than a week late now, I've lost track of time, but, uh, anyway, uh, that's because we're in a global pandemic, and everything is miserable, and I don't always have the energy to, to do these, um, I live in Ontario, Canada, and, uh, we just entered a new super lockdown um, where basically anyone that has to do anything where they might actually catch their coronavirus, like go to work, uh, still has to do that. But, uh, you know, doing things that are relatively low risk but might keep you sane, like being socially distanced in, in a park with masks on, uh, that's not allowed. So, things are going well in the, the wonderful Canadian province of Ontario um things are good very good yep anyway let's get to some some escapism folks one piece volume Four: the black cat pirates we're going to start with the the chapter overview like always um chapter 27 true lies so the chapter opens with Kaya um, showing Mary the that guy that we we briefly talked about in the last chapter. He gets a bigger role this time around, or the last volume, excuse me. Um, but Kaya is showing uh, Mary these nice glasses she bought for I think Clawhider's uh, three-year anniversary of being their butler. Um, uh oh. <laughs> We see Usopp um, trying to warn the town that pirates are coming. Uh, of course, they do not believe him because he says this every day. Um, you know, kind of a... Uh, I, I've said this last time, but obviously it's this is the Boy Who Cried Wolf. Um, except it's a story about how the Boy Who Cried Wolf was good, actually, I guess. Anyway. Um, so Zolo, Nami, and Usopp's... And, and, and Usopp's like kid pirate crew um they find luffy who even i remember got hypnotized by Django last time fell off a cliff landed on his head everybody just figured he was dead and walked off but of course luffy's made of rubber so he's fine um and so anyway they find him there on the beach they learn about um the coming attack and that that clawador the butler is really kuro the former pirate infamous pirate captain um Usopp goes to Kaya's mansion to tell her the truth about Hador, but of course, um, you know they just had that big fight, and so she just thinks he's lying, and she thinks he's gone too far this time. He he's overstepped, and and now he's telling a different kind, a different less pleasant kind of lie, um, which is it's kind of really sad. Um, so he tr- basically is like he tries to drag her away by force because he's just like you cannot stay here, you're going to die, and. She screams, and the mansion guards show up, and Mary, the... I'm not 100% sure what his job is. He, he's like a secondary butler. I don't know. <laughs> the guy who works at the house. Um, they attack Usopp, Usopp like gets shot in the arm at some point here. Um, Kaya eventually slaps him in the face and calls him a dastardly villain. And he uh, sadly runs, because he's not going to be able to convince anybody, and he can't get Kaya out of there by force. So, he has to find another strategy. So, Usopp meets up with um, uh, Luffy and co and his kid pirate crew. He tells the kids it was all another fib, he's a lie, he's just being all good old Usopp, lying and stuff. And he then went later, when the kids leave, he reveals to, the, to Luffy and co, who obviously know that it's not a lie, um, that he doesn't want the village to know. He wants them to feel safe in their homes, and not have to worry about the imminent attack of pirates. Um, he wants to defeat the pirates and send them away without anyone even noticing. And and the crew um, agree to help him, obviously, because, you know, they're the good guys. So, the big takeaway here is that this chapter really is all about that heartbreak where Usopp... Uh, ...where Kaya does not believe Usopp, and, and that's kind of this turning point where he sees... I mean, he knows that his reputation is a bad thing. I guess in some ways, but I think here is where he sees that how how bad it can be, right? Where where he thought that him and Kai had this bond and that she would believe him over anything, and then he kind of realizes that there's no reason that she would believe him, and that um, of course she would believe uh, this this guy, Clawhider um you know like kaya's disbelief makes perfect sense and i and also what what i think really works is that Usopp doesn't get bitter about it like he you know he doesn't hold a grudge against her and he instead just like well we'll just have to stop it another way and even to the point that he doesn't even want kaya to know that um that he was right all along like it's not that's never part of his motivation Um, And that's very, very, I think that's cool. That shows kind of the good side of Usopp, which is, you know, that he has this selflessness and bravery to the point of foolishness. He was going to try and fight the Black Cat Pirates uh, solo without Luffy and everybody, which uh, would have resulted in instant death. (laughs) Uh, Chapter 28, Crescent Moon. So the good guys open this chapter by discussing their plan. So there's this narrow passage up the cliff, that leads up into the village um, they are going to hold it um, you know because only so many pirates can get through at a time it's a good defensible position you know 300 the movie all that good stuff um, kuro return kuro, captain kuro as kalahador returns to the the mansion for the final time mary shows him the fancy glasses that kai got for him and then Kuro goes full mask off. He uh, smashes the glasses under his foot and lets loose his, his bloodlust. He hasn't killed in so long. He just he can't wait till the next day. And he slices Mary up with his weapon, which will be revealed later in the chapter. Cut to the pirate ship. is doing his weird backwards walk, uh, tells the crew it's time to attack. It's like dawn. Usopp has set up a grease trap on the hill so that They won't be able to climb up the hill to get to them. Makes perfect sense. Um, So dawn hits. The pirates make landfall. And suddenly, uh, the good guys realize that they have set up on the wrong side of the island. um, Which is very goofy. So Luffy and Usopp immediately head for the beach. Which is on the north, the other side of the island. Where conveniently there is another um, identical (laughs) cliff choke point. Which is just a good... uh, You know, you reuse that, that scenery. Uh, and, and plot point uh, Oda I don't know if he just arbitrarily added this because he needed to stall for some extra time to decide what was going to happen next which is classic manga shit we, we love it we respect it um uh, as Luffy and Usopp are taking off, running to the North Beach, Nami slips in the grease trap they've set up, and at, to prevent herself from falling all the way down the hill, she grabs Zolo and like climbs over top of him, which shoots him backwards down through the grease and at the bottom of the hill. Um, the chapter ends with Usopp reaching the uh, other, the cliff on the opposite side of the island where the pirates actually are, um, and the, he he shoots back the first wave of pirates coming up the hill with a slingshot. Zolo is stuck at the bottom of the first hill. Luffy, uh, it turns out, it took a wrong turn and got lost. And, whoops. Um, yeah, so the, your takeaway for this chapter, um, I think the stuff with Kuro is easily the strongest bit. Where he, like, shows his fucking real nature. And that he's a killer. Like, good, very, very good. Um, and also we we kind of set up our... our I guess kind of our first um goku running down snake way uh situation in one piece um which is <laughs> there's gonna be a really uh interesting twist on it in like i don't know like 20 episodes from now or some sh- No, more than that like 25 episodes from now maybe um where there let me just say there will be a really funny twist on um the idea of, of having to wait for Goku running down Snake Way and snakes anyway. It's kind of a side point, but we'll get there. But, um, you know, now we have Usopp at the top of the hill, but Zolo and Luffy are nowhere to be found. Nami will probably show up soon, but they... Uh, we have the two weakest fighters of the group um, trying to defend this hill now. So that's that's always a good source of some good drama, you know, like when Krillin had to fight. Uh, Vegeta and Krillin and Piccolo and them, and, and Yamcha had to fight Vegeta and, uh, what the fuck is that other guy's name? Nappa? Napa, maybe? Definitely didn't have to pause and Google that, but yeah, Nappa. Uh, anyway, so that's, that's the, uh, yeah, end of chapter 28. Chapter 29 Uphill Battle. So Usopp is kind of fighting a delaying battle. Um, first, he tries to trick the, the Black Cat Pirates with this brilliant lie that he has a giant army of reinforcements. Um, then the Black Cat Pirates notice the, the treasure on Nami and Luffy's like, ships, um, which are, are parked, you know, parked, uh, tied up at the same beach. Um, and Usopp offers them the treasure in exchange for uh, leaving the village alone. Um, these strategies are unsuccessful, unfortunately, for Usopp. Um, and then just as the pirates are deciding to come back up the hill, Nami shows up and hits Usopp for offering to give away her treasure. Um, eventually, they you know, they do some arguing back and forth about who is less capable of fighting them, and the pirates uh, just run up the hill. Um, Usopp throws caltrops, you know, like little spiky guys, um, down the hill at them, um, so that holds them up for a sec. Back at the other beach where Zolo's stuck at the bottom, um, Zolo realizes he can use his swords like ski poles and climb up the slippery slope that way, stabbing him into the ground. It's a successful strategy. Luffy is still lost. Um, so the, Usopp and Nami are holding up the pirates with the Caltrops, some slingshot sniping, but eventually one gets through and smashes the back of Usopp's head with a club, and there is fucking blood everywhere. Um, Usopp, like, valiantly crawls like tries to stand out blood dripping down his face and he says the pirates won't pass and this will be another boring day in his village it's a great moment um nami uh she you know does her best to defend usop she's got her quarter staff she's hitting people but they are really at their limit jango orders the crew to ignore them and run for the village because if they're late kuro will kill them all and this this is a point we will return to um, so just as the pirates get past Nami and Usopp, they are all sent flying because Zolo and Luffy have arrived just in the nick of time. So, like I, you know, just said at the end of the last chapter, um, they're just killing time till the fighting, the the fighters show up, you know. But it's it's very good um, development for both Usopp and Nami to have adversity where they are the primary combatants and and you know they're not just like tertiary and what they do doesn't really matter, which is kind of how it was for Nami against Buggy um, although she did was the one that tied up Buggy's bit so I shouldn't say she did nothing or anything but she was kind of in peril somewhat in that fight whereas here I mean she's still in peril but she gets to be va- the valiant hero a little bit and and Usopp as well this is this really great stuff especially with Usopp um, getting up with the blood dripping down his face I think that's a really sick moment you know this was, is this was pro wrestling I was say that got him over um, try to keep the wrestling references to a minimum but uh, cause that's just what I thought of um, yeah so anyway that's, that's chapter 29 chapter 30 backfire um, so this chapter opens with an incredible full page where we start like we see the mansion from a distance we zoom in and see the mansion steps and we see Kuro sitting on them and we zoom in on just Kuro sitting on the steps saying like checking his watch and being like they're late Incredible. I think I gave this the best page, full page of the volume. Check it out in the zine if you haven't read the comic, which you should. Um, but but yeah, the zine is great. Um, so Django is obviously um, mad that the, the crew got their asses kicked by these two guys. Um, the two guys being Luffy and Zolo. Um, so he hypnotizes them to be super strong and not feel pain. And one of them like smashes a mountain, or not a mountain, but like the hillside and a big chunk falls off. So they're very strong now. Um, in the process, Luffy also got hypnotized to be super strong, and he destroys all the pirates. Uh, he charges down the hill, rips the stem post, which I didn't... I didn't had to look this up. This is a real nautical term, which it is. It's the beam at the front of the ship that often has, like, the... the design at the top, like, you know, the mermaid or the lady on some ships, on the Black Cat Pirate ships. It is predictably a cat. Anyway, he rips that big beam off, and, um... Just as he's about to crush all the pirates with it, Django hypnotizes them to go to sleep, and he kind of drops it on himself and also a bunch of other pirates, and is crushed. But he's fine, of course, because he's made of rubber. Um, crushing damage is is non-effective against Luffy. So some some previously unseen pirates, like from back on the ship, um, yell that hey, the ship's damaged. And then Django's like, oh right, we still have them. So there you go. And then the final, the bit of the chapter is we see Kuro walking through town, looking mad, walking towards the beach. Takeaway for this chapter is they do some fighting. Isn't that fun? Chapter 31, Truth. So Kaya wakes up from a nightmare, but Usopp turning evil and she kind of wanders around her house looking for people because nobody's there and she finds Mary lying in a pool of his own blood. Mary turns out to be alive. He tells Kaya that Usopp is telling the truth about Kuro and everything. And he says Usopp is a brave young man who is willing to die to save the village. Kaya, we get a shot of her crying as she realizes um, that, um, you know, that Usopp was telling the truth. And she feels bad about it. Although, you know, how could she have known? Like we explained, I don't, you know, there was no reason for her to believe him necessarily. Um... Kaya heads to the beach, um, resolved to trade her fortune in exchange for the lives of the villagers and Usopp. Um, Usopp's kid crew spots her walking towards the beach, um, which she's doing very slowly, because as we have mentioned before, she has some sort of chronic illness. Um, And and she's not super mobile, and so they realize if she's up and walking through town, which she never does, then something must be going on. So they follow her. Um, Django, back at the beach, Django calls out the Meow Ban Brothers. Butchie and Siam, who are, uh, I mean, you can see them in the, in the zine as always new characters are always, we, we highlight all their debuts in the zine. So you can get an idea of everybody looks, what everybody looks like. If you're just listening and not reading along, but, um, Butchie and Siam are one, two, I guess they're both plump at this point. We'll get through it, but two big dudes and weird stripes and suspenders, stri- striped shirts and suspenders. And they have like cat ears and like claw fingers. Um, very goofy. Uh, CM pretends to be scared when he's told to attack Zolo, but when he comes in close, he reveals it was all an act. Um, and then, uh, and then he, when he do the exchange, um, he steals Zolo's swords. Um, damn. So, yeah. So Zolo's only got one sword left, and that's the end of the chapter. <laughs> anyway, um, so our takeaways here are um, this stuff where. Mary tells Kaya and and Kaya realizes what's happened is good um and I, but I, I think maybe you know she just shouldn't be too hard on herself like why why would she believe the pathological liar over you know her loyal butler but there there maybe actually is an interesting nugget there with the real the way they frame this realization is like um oh, maybe the guy who was nice to you but really cruel to your friend who, you know, had his flaws but was still your friend and a mostly good person, and maybe the person that's super cruel to them, although they're nice to you, is actually a bad person. Um, you know, I feel like that kind of framing in this bit of storytelling um, makes it feel, like, more emotionally true um, than just kind of, like, doing a, like, treating it like a Hideo Kojima-style ah, well, now that Usopp was right this one time, she regrets her words and deeds. Like, I think maybe it's like, you know, the reveal of of the immense betrayal of Clawhador slash Kuro kind of makes all these times that she's taken Clawhador's side over Usopp. Like, when Clawhador is the one that's really shitty and cruel to Usopp, and Usopp just kind of defends himself, it's not like he's... Um, you know, Usopp isn't instigating this stuff, so I think that that framing kind of definitely makes makes a bigger impact than just, um, that Usopp was telling the truth this one time. You may have noticed I had not been highlighting new characters in these chapters. That's because there's only two char- new characters this whole volume, and they are Sam and Butchie. We both, maybe met both of them just now. Um, so congrats to our two new characters for the entire volume. Um... Chapter Thirty Two: Cruel Fortune. So the chapter opens with C.M. chucking, because uh, C.M. has stolen Zolo's two sword, or two of Zolo's three swords. He chucks the two swords down the hill. Zolo immediately goes sicko mode, as you might expect. Don't fuck with the swords and swords. He runs up and appears to chop C.M. in half. Um, that he was to grab his other two swords, but it's revealed that Sam was just wearing a baggy shirt, and actually he's a very trim guy, so he, this, the cut didn't even slash him. And he dives on Zolo and puts him in like a double arm lock sort of thing. Um, Butchie jumps in the air to do a diving double stomp on the trapped Zolo, um, and Zolo just barely manages to dodge out of the way. Um, the brothers attack simultaneously, and with one sword Zolo can barely hold them off at the same time. Just, you know, pretty impressive. He's holding up two guys with... You know, they're attacking with each arm, and he's blocking all the hits with his one sword. Not bad. Usopp tries to help by shooting at the Meowban brothers with his slingshot, but Zolo steps in the way and takes the hit. Nami and Usopp realize that he's protecting them. If one of the Meowban brothers targeted them instead of both of them on Zolo, Zolo wouldn't really be able to help them. So this is another example of an overarching theme in One Piece where... Everybody worries about everyone but themselves all the time, even and especially when they themselves are in deep shit. So Nami decides she's going to try and help, and she runs down the hill to get Zola's swords for him. Django realizes what she's doing. He slices her with his hypnotism pendulum, which turns out to be bladed. They reveal later that it's a chakram, which is like, I guess, a circular blade, which I had not heard of or I hadn't really encountered before. It's very cool. Um... Jango then trembles with fear because Kuro has arrived. And the chapter ends with Kuro screaming, What in Neptune's name is going on here? Um, So that's great. Folks, we simply, we love some dramatic tension. We love some stakes. Um, Zolo is barely keeping up with only one sword. Luffy is still asleep. And Usopp and Nami are wounded. And now Kuro has arrived on top of everything else. Chapter 33, The Creeping Cat. Kuro opens the chapter by a raging about how pathetic his former crew are. They couldn't even handle a few kids. The Meow Band Brothers are uh, don't take kindly to this, and they decide to punish their former captain over Jango's Im- objections. Um, Jango or um, Kuro disappears and reappears right behind the Meow Band Brothers with swords coming off of each of his fingers. This is called uh, the Pussyfoot maneuver, a technique for moving without being detected. Jango says you could put Kuro in a room with 50 assassins and he'd kill them all easily. He mentions his technique. He pushes up his glasses with the heel of his hand to keep the blades away from his face, which is extremely sick. Uh, that's a very cool detail. Um, Kuro says that Django and the band brothers have five minutes to deal with the situation, aka the kids, or he'll kill everybody. Um, Usopp is like, oh my god, I can't believe this monster has been living among us for three years and we had no idea. Um, the Miyabi brothers charge Zolo to finish, finish him off, but Nami kicks his two swords. Um, so Nami catches, or uh, Zolo catches the swords. He has all three swords and he slices both the Miyabi brothers to pieces, defeating them with one sick move called Tiger Hunt. Zolo has an incredible stare down with Kuro, where he's like. It won't even take me five minutes to thrash all of you. And Kuro's like, try it. Uh, Very, we love this shit. Um, This obviously whips. Um, But instead, Django hypnotized Butchi, Butchi, the bigger of the two Meowband brothers, to be super strong and ignores injuries. Um, Which is like, you know, Zolo. That'll be enough to take care of Zolo, maybe. Um, so So Nami runs to wake up Luffy so they can get some more help. Jango throws his chakram at, at her to stop her, and the chapter ends when she's about to be hit with it. So takeaway, takeaway, um, Kuro is terrifying. He's like, power level is huge. But also uh, Zolo with three swords that of one big power level also, so this is very exciting. Chapter 34, A Humble Servant. So the chapter opens with Nami stepping on Luffy's head while trying to dodge the chakram, the thrown circular blade thing. Luffy wakes up about because he got his head stomped on and he stands up only to immediately get smashed in the back of the head with the chakra which like lodges in and uh, there's a big spurt of blood. Um, Even more brutal, um, Luffy almost falls forward but he catches himself with a big step and then he yanks the chakra out of the back of his head with like his fucking big jacked arm Uh, and there's like muscle flex and there's blood, it looks cool as hell, a really good panel. Um, so there's this really sweet moment, Nami tells Luffy it's up to him now it's like, the, just the, her expression and, the fr- and you know, it's it's very good, it's like, you know, she has emotionally opened up and she has a connection with these people, and, you know, she's not just a mercenary um, we love it, and then also, and then she immediately says, uh, well, it's actually you know, there's treasure on the line, you know, because you can't reveal too much of yourself you, gotta, you know, you showed something real, you gotta close back up um, Everybody's about to square off for the next phase of the fight when Kaya shows up. So she tells Kuro she knows everything. She apologizes to Usopp, and Usopp's like, run, get away from here. This is a bad idea. Um, she tells Kuro she'll give him all her money if he'll just leave them alone. He responds with his real goal, which is that the money isn't enough. He wants the peace of mind, um, under getting it under the pretense of legitimacy, so she's got to die. Um, in an incredible moment, Kaya draws a pistol on Kuro. And check out this page in the zine. It's It was a runner-up for my favorite full page, I think, behind the um, the zoom-in on Kuro I described earlier. But you get her pulling the pistol, and you get every character's reaction shot. It's so good. Um, in a devastating speech, Kuro lays out um, how kind and loving he was to Kaya. All this this, by the way, while she has the gun drawn on him. Um, How kind he has been to her for the last three years, how much he did for her, and how the whole time he felt humiliated by it all. And he endured this so-called humiliation so that all for today, the day he could kill her. And um, Kaya feels this like visceral, like obviously this, it's really awful, this, this betrayal. And she drops the pistol because she just, she can't stand up and and she falls to her knees in the you know this is brutal it's it's a true villain moment like it like it i'm saying like it's bad but it owns because it's so brutal and like it really adds a new layer of villainy to kuro who has been kind of bland up until the last couple chapters where he's shown how deadly he is has improved things too but i really think um the last, um, yeah, this this last little bit really pushes him over the edge into a really memorable and interesting, uh, an evil villain. Um, so Usopp tries to punch Kuro, which he easily dodges, and he mentions he still owes Usopp, who punched him in Volume Three, if you remember. Um, and he goes to kill Usopp, but Luffy, uh, you know, stretches his rubber fist all the way from the bottom of the hill and smashes Kuro in the face. Um, so my takeaway this time, this is an incredible chapter. This is so good. The stuff with Kuro and Kaya is probably the highlight of the entire volume, and not just the entire volume, the entire like mini arc here on Usopp's Island. It's not called Usopps Island, but I don't know if it has a real name. So Usopp's Island. Um You know, this this mini arc is kind of about different kinds of lies, if you think about it, because you have on one side you have the you know, the two main characters that we meet in this story are both liars. Usopp is tell, teller of tall tales. He's the boy who cried wolf. You know, he's all these different um, harmful but playful lies, I guess. And there is Klajador slash Kuro, who, you know, lives his entire life. He's lived in this town for three years under false pretenses. And very, very evil false pretenses. Um, you know, he has been plotting to murder um Kaya for 3 years. And so yeah, they're kind of a you know, you could almost describe them as like a, you know, mirror of each other in some ways because they're, you know, opposite in so many other ways, you know. Usopp is childish and incapable in many ways whereas Kuro is deadly serious and supremely capable. Um anyway, just a thought. I'm not a I, I'm not a, I'm not a, I don't have a master's degree in literature, I'm just, just thinking here, you know, I'm just, I'm just thinking out loud here. Anyway, uh, yeah, this, this mini arc, of all the first few mini arcs, they make up the first real arc of One Piece, what they call the East Blue Arc, I feel like this mini arc is probably the weakest, but here's some stuff that is very strong in there, so we'll see if I keep that opinion as I finish up, um, as I, as I keep finish up, as I <laughs> slowly make my way through... Um, this first, this first arc. Um, yeah. Chapter 35, The Steep Slope. So Kuro stays laid out, lying on the ground from Luffy's punch. Um, and after a second, everybody realizes it's not because he's hurt. It's because he is really fucking angry. And that is a really cool moment. Um, Usopp's kitty crew shows up and begin whacking the lying down Kuro in the face with like frying pans and shit. Everybody's like, oh my god, these kids are going to die. <laughs> Kuro gets up um, unharmed and the kids scream, but he ignores them and he kicks Usopp down the hill. He looks directly at Luffy and directly is like, he's like, hey, what the fuck was that? You must have a Devil fruit power because Luffy, we remember, um, punched him from the bottom of the hill, which is like, I don't know, like fifty meters or something. So he had a long stretch on that punch. Uh and then Luffy is of course like, yep, sure do. Um, because Luffy doesn't hide or or pretend to anything. It's he's kind of the opposite of Usopp. It, it, he's like a good mirror of Usopp, whereas as I said last time, Kuro is like an evil mirror of Usopp. Um Kuro tells Django that he'll take care of Luffy, so we setting up Luffy versus Kuro, and he orders Django to force Kai to write the will and then kill her, and also kill Usopp's Kitty Crew too because he's he's annoyed by them now. Um, so Zolo tries to block Django from climbing the hill, but we forgot about the newly hypnotized supercharged Butchie, um, who shows up and nearly smashes Zolo through the ground as Zolo just barely dodges. Zolo fends Butchie off, but not in time to stop Django getting up the hill. Usopp orders his Kitty crew to take Kaya away ASAP to protect her, which gives them like a courageous cover to run for their lives and get and for Kaya to run for her life as well. Um, Django tries to throw his chakrams, chakrams, the, the circular blade things that he uses to hypnotize people. Uh, he tries to throw those at them, but Usopp takes him out with a shot from a slingshot. Um, Kaya and the kids get to the woods so he can't just like, take them up from a distance. Django chases after them. Now, with the way the kind of movement around the battlefield in the last, like that I've described here, the situation has kind of been reversed from where they were. Luffy, Zolo, and Usopp are now down the hill, and Kuro and Butchi stand in their way at the top of the hill. So now it's the good guys that have to break through the, the kind of narrow passage up the hill. Um, Luffy and Zolo tell Usopp they'll make a path for him so he can go after Django and save Kaya. The takeaway? Luffy versus Kuro. Next volume. Let's fucking go! Well, there's your chapter round and, and volume overview, folks. Now we're going to get into the awards and, and other details for this time. Um, that means it is time for... The 8 million Barry Bounty Award for Best Chapter. Um, so this time, the winner, as you may have guessed from my incredible praise I laid on it, the winner for Best Chapter is uh, Chapter 34, A Humble Serpent. So the stuff, the confrontation between Klajador's reveal as Kuro and Kaya, knowing the truth, is... Yeah, it's the best, it's the best this little series, this mini-arc gets. Um, really, really good. The highlights... There's artistic highlights, there's storytelling highlights, there's character highlights. It's, it's a really great moment. I went over it in the chapter overview. It's the winner for me easily. Also, side note, come on, let's get some more bounties up here. Eight million, so low. We still, we're still talking about the fucking mountain bandit from volume from chapter one. What are we doing here? Come on, uh, Oda, give me some, give me some bounties. Um, so. Our runner-ups for best chapter are um, chapter 31 truth um again i think the kaya stuff is is some of the best stuff in the volume so this we have the bit where um kaya learns the truth from mary about what's happened um so that's the reason i i gave that one the runner-up and then chapter 33 the creeping cat um we get the debut of kuro in combat um and he gets to be very menacing and scary which that stuff owns and then zolo gets to his swords back and gets to have his cool moment for the volume because you know if zolo doesn't get to have a badass sword moment it's not a great volume see volume three (laughs) anyway um so yeah so those are your your best chapter and your two runners up Normally I do a segment on dreams and a segment on flashbacks. We didn't have any dreams. We didn't have any flashbacks because this was a combat chapter. It's a fight chapter, battle manga chapter. I'm saying chapter, volume. Battle manga volume. No dreams. These people dream only of violence and no flashbacks. We remember only violence. Um, I do have a little faction corner, and the faction corner is just to say that... um, the Black Cat Pirates are the only faction discussed in this uh, volume, and we learned more about them. I guess we well we learned about the the ship guards, Siam and Butchie. I don't even know if I mentioned that big thing that they were. They're the ship guards. They are the ship guards. They're um. They're the ship guards. Anyway, uh, we learned that Kuro is very scary, um, so that's cool. But yeah, the Black Cat Pirates. I think we're gonna learn a little bit more about them next volume. So stay tuned for that. It's time for the Oda's Guys and Gals Award for Best Character. Um, So Kuro is the winner this time around. Kuro is uh, the best character in this volume. He gets to be scary. He gets to be menacing. He gets to be evil in in the showdown with Kaya. Really, really good. This is the volume that kind of um, really cranks up the interest after, I think, I thought the... The volume three setup of this confrontation was not the most intriguing, but that's because most of the work happens here in volume four. So Kuro, congrats, big improvement over volume three. Um, my runner-ups are Usopp, who has a actually a very great volume. After I was, you know, I I don't think the volume three does a great job, but of course that's because it's doing the work of building. You got to build, um, you know. You can't. You have to build the foundation before you can um, put stuff on it. So yeah, I think Usopp's moments where he, um, you know, this like I said before, like the moment where he gets hit back in the head, he's got blood dripping down, he stands up. Um, that's really great. He, you know, the stuff where he decides um, he just wants his town to not even know what happened and not know that he's like trying to save them to just think he's still a dumb kid who lies. Um, that's good. So yeah, great great volume for Usopp. Um, does a lot more work in selling him as a as a uh, admirable character. Um, and the third one is Kaya. So like this is this is I think a, a first where we're having I mean Usopp spoilers is going to become part of the main cast. But here we have um, I think for the first time a volume where the characters central to that arc, the the arc that we're dealing with in that volume. Um, sweep the best character awards. We have no main cast members um, like Luffy, Zolo, and Nami do not do not win any of the awards here, um, and that's I think just tells you that it's a good volume. I mean, I don't think it's bad necessarily to focus on the main characters. I think you know that can also be a sign that something is working really well. But um, yeah, I think I think um, they did a good job with the 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 side character the side characters for the full volume, but main um, pieces in this story they're telling this time around. Kaya, obviously, you have know, the showdown with Kuro. She's a part of that too, and that's really, really good. And her parts in it are great. Um, and I think a lot of the the way that she, they, that both drawn and written, um, the way that Oda both draws and writes her her relationship to Usopp in this volume, um, in the first interaction when she doesn't believe him about clothdor and then in the second in, in when she finds the truth from Mary and then when she sees Usopp at the beach like I think all that stuff is really good and um yeah Kaya runner-up for best character sad news there is no Oda's beautiful beasts this time around because there were no beasts it's a sad day also no lore <laughs> building this time either uh you know Battle manga. I said it. Battle manga. Um, next time on... So we're gonna get to see Luffy versus Kuro. Um, that's... You know, this was a pay-per-view. You know, they've done a good job of selling the fight. Um, there's some anger there. There's some emotion. Luffy... We got to see Luffy punch Kuro, but we don't get to see the real fight yet. Um, this is good. If this was a wrestling pay-per-view, I'd say this is a good build. I want to see them fight. Um... What's gonna happen to Usopp? Um... I mean, I've already spoiled it a little bit, but you know, um, he's a kid with a slingshot. He's got to maybe try and get past these guys and go after Django, you know, who is a goofball but is a you know the first was well, I guess he's now the captain, but for a long time was the first mate to this terrifying Kuro guy. So he's clearly no no scrub. Well, in theory. <laughs> and uh, what will become of Kaya? Uh, she's there are people trying to kill her, and she's already very ill. Um, Will she be all right? Gosh, I hope so. Anyway, uh, that's it for this episode. Thank you very much for listening. Um, You know, uh, I highly recommend you check out the uh, Zine Companion to this episode, uh, Volume 4 of the One Piece Zone the Zine. Zone the Zine. Zone the Zine. Um, you can find it in the description of this podcast you're listening to now. You could also go to the One Piece Zone Twitter account at the One Piece Zone. And while you're there, you should follow the at the One Piece Zone account on Twitter. You can also find my personal Twitter at Alex Ron Johnston. Tweeting a lot about wrestling lately, uh, just to warn you. Um, and, you know, rate, review, tell your friends. Um, it's all much appreciated. Tell me if you listened and what you liked and what you didn't like. Um, I'm available to find at those places I listed, or you probably, if you're listening to this, you probably know me in real life, in which case, just tell me. Thank you. Um, Your next episode is going to hopefully be... I'm going to keep saying two weeks from now, even though um, I don't think I've hit that goal once. We're going to say May 2nd is the goal. Um, But, you know, it may move. And at the end of the day... What are you gonna do? I'm one person, and I'm very tired all the time. Um, anyway, that next episode will cover Volume Five, For Whom the Bell Tolls, which I'm very much looking forward to. I reread it fairly recently, and um, it's it's pretty great. So yeah, look forward to that. Read it yourself. Um, you know, go to the the Shonen Jump app on your your phone or viz.com on your computer, and uh, or your local library. I know some people do check that shit out have a good one uh, you are now exiting the one piece sound